Good evening, everybody, to Tomboy T-Rod's final episode of the year. And what better way to cap it off than a timeless tale of hope and courage? Love and loss. Drinking and puking. Well, <laughs> you get the picture. Tonight, we bring you this masterpiece entitled Battle's Eve at Lonely Mountain, inspired by the epic works of Tolkien and Peter Jackson's films of this beautiful and violent medieval universe. A universe that's gotten millions of fantasy geeks horny and hot under the collar in a dragony sort of way. That's right, like doing crystal meth. However, this is not the Breaking Bad episode, and I am not playing Heisenberg Two Hats this time. No, this time I play Persistia the Pink, guardian wizard of ancient relic magic, while Raven here plays a warrior maiden, Ravenous, two characters who travel to Middle-earth from tomboy Tartesia, across the Great Sea, to fight in the Battle of Five Armies at the foot of the Lonely Mountains, once home to Dwarf Kingdom of Erebor. Of course, like every other adventure we've had on this show, Things always cock up, not for the better, but for the worse. Enjoy! Yeah, enjoy! Why, thank you, Lassie. Weirdo! Who's most orange or green tea leaves anyway? Weirdo? Weirdo? I'll have you know that I'm officially on the Eastern tea and soybean starvation diet. Thank you very much. What is that? I have to say, I haven't had a lot of people come through here asking for green tea leaves. Where are you ladies coming from? From Tomboy Tartisir, a great kingdom in the undying lands across the Great Sea. I'm Ravenous, mighty sword warrior maiden, and this is Persistia, the pink guardian of ancient relic magic. Ooh, that's a long way. Indeed, and we also host Tomboy T-Rod, the region's biggest and only all-female English comedy chat podcast. Yes, not Tyreed or T-Reed, but T-Rod, the way we like to say it on this no-holds-barred fortnightly podcast with a whole load of geek, drama and humour thrown into every episode. That's what the sacred spirits living under my robes say. And we don't ever fight with sacred spirits in nether regions, you hear? Oh, speaking of despicable groveling toeworms, what are you two doing here in Bree, eh? Yes, we seem to recall that we defeated a certain maiden and her equally amateurish conjuring partner at the borders of Tomboy Tartesia just a few short years ago. <laughs> Riddles in the dark. Middle Earth's traveling bounty hunting fiasco. Speaking of unforgettable memories, we seem to recall setting a dragon on one of your kind not too long ago. Hmm. And I have the scars to prove it too. My belly's been on fire since. <laughs> You're very welcome. 
Well, what can I get you, your travelers? 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 We're no passing tourists, let me tell you that, fair lady. Well, have you know that we're from the Mythgard Institute. Mythgard? What in the world is that? Mythgard what? I'll have you know that we support and facilitate teaching and research in Tolkien studies, fantasy literature, and all kinds of related fields, including science fiction, into the 21st century. We are the experts on Middle-earth. The experts across the entire internet, by the way. We're even an expert on you, even though we don't know who the heck you are, Tavern Maiden. Showed off. I'm Trish Lambert. He's Dave Kale, and that over there, sitting over there, probably in another one of his existential crises, is Corey, the host of the Token Professor podcast. We're all co-hosts on the Riddles in the Dark podcast and Prediction Game, along with Laura Burkholtz when she can make it. She's found gainful employment as an emissary to Prince Imrahil, so is mainly hanging out in Dal Amroth these days. Lucky her. You can find us on Facebook, though, as Riddles in the Dark Predictions. Or at www.mythgard.org for everything Tolkien and fantasy literature. And resident Tolkien professor Corey Olson can be found at www.tolkienprofessor.com or the Tolkien Professor Facebook page. And at Tolkien Prof on Twitter. All right then, I've got it. Ales all round, please. Make mine extra potent. Three potent ales it is. Excellent choice, sir. I'll see to that. Okay, okay, we know what you guys do. Now, tell us why you've been shadowing us. Yeah. Well, we've heard rumors that a battle is looming at the Lonely Mountain, and that lots of treasure is just sitting around for the taking. Strange. We have not heard of any such rumor. Oh, really? Then where, pray tell, are you going with those? Hey, that's my sword! Yeah. And my staff and magic dustpan. Get away from that. Okay, pointy hat, out with it. Were you guys heading out to battle? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were, but only because we've heard another rumor that a dark evil is building in the east. This battle that Thorin wants to wage against Smaug is just the tip of the dragon butt. Yeah, they've been put in charge of finding out what's really cooking here in Middle-earth. Well, it's definitely not ale and mince pies. Take us with you. We might be able to help. <laughs> Take you? A bunch of bounty hunters who pledge their allegiance to no one? No way. Not even on Gandalf the Grey's tits, so bugger off. Yeah. Besides, Persis and I have serious Hobbit topics to deal with this week as we talk about whether Peter Jackson is going to make Simeon after this. The Hobbit trilogy box office predictions. Our plot predictions for The Hobbit. Battle of Five Armies movie, the future of Middle-earth in film, and more. You guys will probably find all very boring. Seriously? Have you heard the podcast? I think you'll find that's right up our alley. We love talking about it. Everybody run! Wait a minute. Ringworks? In The Hobbit? Damn it! Wrong talking piece! Run! Everybody run!
It's ridiculous. Where are we? Well, if I played my cards right, we're now、uh-huh. at Weathertop, or better known as Amon Sol. From here, we can keep an eye out on those nasty ring raids from the Great East Road. Probably have to spend the night here, guys. Great, another night out in the cold. Light a fire, Corey. <sighs> If he can stand straight. Well, since we're stuck out here, let's、uh... recite poetry. From the ashes, a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. Great. Did, did, did Corey just enter his existential zone again, guys?、Uh... Excuse me. That is a famous poem written by an eminent Hobbit poet. Jeez.、Oh, guys, quit. We need to get on with this. Come on. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Uh, so, uh, what are we talking about again? Oh, right. Uh, well, it's still early days, but there's been a rumor, albeit a silly one, that Peter Jackson has signed to a seventy-two-part movie of the Silmarillion. What do you guys think about the possibility of that happening? A seventy-two-part movie of the Silmarillion? That's was... not nearly enough parts. <laughs> Yeah, that's not enough. I mean, yeah, I- I'm really afraid they're not going to have time to get through everything at that rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, can Baron and Luthien's story be that long? Do you think, or should it just be a TV series? <laughs> well, I mean, they're not doing just Baron and Luthien. There's、yeah. so much other stuff in there. Exactly. There's a、right? lot of stories <laughs>、yeah. in there. And actually, the Baron and Luthien story is pretty freaking long too. It is. Yeah, it, it is. is. Well, so is Turin Turinbar's story. Oh yeah. Like, like, in terms of time span, what doesn't doesn't Baron and Luthien basically cover about the same amount of time, if not longer, as the as the、mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 go- yeah. Way more if you count the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, from like from the very beginning when Baron first comes in, or really from like when Baron's a refugee up in the up in the north. Yeah, yeah, it's a、mm-hmm. good deal longer. So that's like four four or five movies already. Oh yeah, oh, easy, easy, easily. Among the tales of sorrow and of ruin that come down to us from the darkness of those days, there are yet some in which, amid weeping, there is joy, and under the shadow of death, light that endures. And of these histories, most fair still in the ears of the elves is the tale of Beren and Luthien. Of their lives was made the Lay of Lethian, release from bondage, which is the longest save one of the songs concerning the world of old. But here the tale is told in fewer words and without song. It has been told that Barahir would not forsake Dothonian, and there Morgoth pursued him to the death, until at last there remained to him only twelve companions. Well, just Baron and Luthien could be a multiple season epic TV series. Yeah, that's true, right? Yeah, I think they will probably rival Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones, be nothing compared. <laughs> I have a feeling that they're probably going to do that. Someone's going to pick it up for TV. If the rights, I mean, if they get the rights, right? Yeah. And the Turin Turinbar story story would be the the, the the one part which could actually be like more depressing than Game of Thrones. Oh yes, yeah, that's way more depressing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if if、yeah. that would be the one, because you know, if Game of Thrones、mm-hmm. is so popular, you know, and it's so depressing, then Turin Turinbar story is a shoe in. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. I mean,、uh, George R. R. Martin would have like killed off either Baron or Luthien, Luthien or both,、right. you know, before the end of the story. <laughs> but、uh, but really, I mean, like he'd do his worst with the Turin Turinbar story.、Yeah. I, I defy him to make a story more more depressing, more depressing. than the Turin Turinbar story. <laughs> 
like, you know, I mean, because there's other parts in the book as well that explain a little bit of the Middle Earth history, right? Like the Valar and things like that, how they were sent down by the Iluvatar, well, the Iru Iluvatar, right? I mean, those things are also, there's quite a lot of that stuff to go through because they have to go through, like, all the different characters of the Valar, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have to talk yeah. about Mel- Melor. No, that would be really interesting. I mean, of course, you know, of course, you know, we, we have to actually, like, recognize the fact, because uh, we don't want to mislead anybody, that, of course, none of this could ever possibly actually ever happen. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that that's completely clear. I was, I was surprised recently, because, of course, Peter Jackson recently was making public comments about this, you know, people asking him about, uh, you know, the future of it, and, you know, would he do any more, and him saying... Uh, you know, no, the Tolkien estate owns the rights to everything else. And I keep I keep forgetting how many people don't know that because that's, like, not a piece of news. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like, everybody <laughs> knows that. I mean, it's, it's uh, I mean, that's something that, that is, uh, but, uh, but again, I was just sort of reminded by the fact that that story, people keep covering that story and, 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 and re-releasing that, that, you know, those quotes as if it's, like, huge news. And I keep forgetting the fact that most people don't know that. So yes, the Silmarillion, uh, Tolkien sold the film rights to The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings only. All of the rest of Tolkien's works are still, still you know, the, the, yeah. the film and performance rights are 100% in the hands of the estate. Mm. Um, and uh, Christopher Tolkien will be cold and dead in his grave <laughs> before he lets anybody do a performance of the Silmarillion. But why, That's why do you think that, that is? Why are they so protective? I mean, if you look at the Silmarillion and you compare that to The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, right, which is, which is you know, two pieces of work that's so popular in Tolkien's canon, right? I mean, why would Christopher Tolkien be so protective over the Silmarillion? I mean, why do you think he's so much more protective over that um, is it because he he had a hand in it, or well, no, I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say he's more protective, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. if if he had it, if he could go back in time, mm-hmm. he would probably tell his father not to sell the rights yeah. to the Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, he didn't have a yeah. choice about if, those, if he could yeah. go back in time, he would hit his father over the head <laughs> to prevent him <laughs> from selling the rights. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, you yeah. don't need the money, Dad. <laughs> he just had no, no question. Pa- yeah, he it, had no power over the Hobbit and Lord yeah. of the Rings, but he's been very clear about the yeah, fact yeah. that he's been not yeah. happy in. <laughs> big time yes about the movie yeah he would tell his father not only do you not need the money but you actually won't get very much money anyway they're gonna right. screw <laughs> us over true. right <laughs> yeah. that's right so sometimes i wonder if they paid pay them more money would they make a difference no like yeah no it wouldn't mm-hmm. it's it's this is this is one of the main things like the tolkien estate is really not after money do they even need it yeah no the majority of the money they get they they they, they give to charities they 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 don't even they don't even really profit by it. Um, and again, that, that, it's another thing. A lot of people assume that the Tolkien estate is just money grabbing, and that yeah. that's why they're so protective. It's totally mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Um, they they uh, they 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 never go after money. They just go after um, protecting the legacy. They don't want it. Christopher doesn't want his father's creative work. Um, to be so commercialized, yeah, and cheaper. Yeah, exactly. They hate the, the the it's the commercialization of it that really bothers him a mm. lot. Um, and you know, and he felt that the adaptation, you know, the Jackson's adaptation in the movies, really just like eviscerated. Yes, yeah. yes, really just just uh, yep. you know, so that you know that I mean, I, I forget the exact quote that he said, but like that, you know, the whole like it, you know, 
artistic and intellectual mm-hmm. um, impact mm-hmm. of the story has mm-hmm. been reduced to zero by the <laughs> films he said. Now, I don't agree with him about that, mm-hmm. um, but that's definitely his opinion. <laughs> so yeah, what, what, um, he's not about to, to keep give anybody permission to do more. I mean, this is two lifetimes worth of work, not just one lifetime. You know, it's not just... It's not yes. just J.R.R. Tolkien's yes. life's mm-hmm. work. It's also for also Christopher, Christopher. Tolkien's life's yeah. work. Tolkien's work. So, yeah. you know, part of it's not, I, I, my opinion is it's not just protecting his father's legacy, but he's, mm-hmm. he's as immersed as anybody besides J.R.R. Tolkien could be in Middle mm-hmm. Earth. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there's probably some of that in there too. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's, it's it's so close to him that it's he's has a hard time. Mm-hmm. How about an animated Silmarillion? What do you think? <laughs> you know, uh, what, like no. like Rankin Bass in the style the of, 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 of Rankin Bass. Yeah, exactly. Rankin Bass Silmarillion. Oh, no. Think of the think of the songs that could come out of an animated Silmarillion. Oh God, <laughs> no. Yeah. Does anybody remember the uh, animated seventies version of Lord of the Rings? Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Oh yes. Oh, like, oh yes. film. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, I watch this thing regularly. How no, yeah. no, I don't. But... <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, to any kid that watched it, like me, I mean, I had nightmares uh, just watching that cartoon. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the good I, thing I is, if you anybody... go back and watch it again mm. now, it will it will help to cleanse out the memory of those nightmares because you'll find <laughs> yes. it so comical that yeah. it will really. Corey yeah. still has nightmares with the Glenn Yarbrough uh, theme song of the <laughs> Hobbit movie. Only only when people bring it up. But yeah, no, it's um, uh, it, it's it's uh, th- yeah, no, the the Bakshi version. It's funny because you know, the one hand that the thing that I had forgotten, the visual images of that film sort of stick with you, and some of them are, are really horrifying in various ways and 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 really comical and inexplicable like i will never understand why boromir is a viking, viking yeah. you know, like wearing a hairy tunic and a horned helm the whole time it just doesn't make any sense i tried to take the ring from Frodo. i'm sorry i have paid aragorn Save my people. I'm gone. I will go. I promise you. The halflings. Orcs took them. Think they are not dead. But, um, but the but the thing that I that I sort of had forgotten about is you know you go back and you watch that again, and the the the, the screenplay. Um, which was written by Peter Beagle, the author of The Last Unicorn, is almost entirely taken from the book. I mean, they have just, like, he tried as hard as he could to make the script of that film like a stitched-together montage of quotations directly from the book. It is really... It, it, it goes way out of its way um, to use the actual language of the book, much more so than any other film version that Tolkien version ever of has done. So, you know, the, the script is actually, you know, it's very interesting in, in, in making that choice, but the visuals are really puzzling. And I think this is also another thing why the Tolkien estate is really protective over the work, because I think a large part of Tolkien's work involves the poetry and that's I think to a certain extent that was what I missed about the Jackson version because it was all about getting the plot 
done. You know, just getting these characters to finish their journey that a lot of the uh, poetry and the the beautiful songs were kind of omitted in the in the yes. film. Um, maybe towards the last part, like the last part of Lord of the Rings, like they had Billy Boyd singing that song. And that was like that beautiful moment. But of course, Peter Jackson always gave the films a gracefulness, you know, a beauty, a surrealistic that, you know, people could just immerse into the world. But I think that was one of the things that I felt uh, he lacked in the films, you know, the songs, the poetry. It's hard. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's despite the fact that those were really long films. Right. And, you know, like with the extended editions, the whole, you know, the whole trilogy is like 14 hours long. (laughs) But it's still really short. I yes. mean, it's it's still super compressed. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about a re- you know, you're talking about you know more than a thousand pages yeah. of book, um, you know, compressed into into even fourteen hours mm-hmm. is, is is you know it's so yeah short, so yeah. A, a lot of the stuff that you get in Tolkien, a lot of those things which give the world the depth which has made it so powerful and so meaningful to a lot of people. Um, he, they just can't really do because they, they they have to focus so much on just moving the story along. And, and you know, actually, it, it, I think that, especially given the popularity of Game of Thrones now, we are more likely to see the Lord of the Rings get redone as like a miniseries on television before we ever see any kind of Silmarillion yes. film. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. But I'm not very enthusiastic about it because, you know, the whole Lord of the Rings, the whole Middle Earth, the myth, the stories, they're very cinematic. And in a way, I know that television is kind of pretty much catching up to movies in the sense that, you know, of the cinematography and things like that. But I don't think television has that that grandiose feeling of, of, of a film, you know. Um, you would lose something in it. And, you know, some of the people that cast for, for, for shows these days, I think they should just be fired. <laughs> <laughs> Casting directors. Because I don't I don't know how they see characters. Like, they seem to have a problem, you know, with a lot of the franchises, like comic books even. Like, you know. Yeah. Like, who is marketable? Like, who, who looks good? Yeah. They're not connected to the material. Yeah. It's so weird yeah. how they I, I would make many yeah, of the same people. points about the people who do the casting in the film and films yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very disappointed if they, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't see it coming to television until maybe like ten years down the road or twelve years down the road. Yeah. And then we will just experience like in virtual reality. We can, we can even interact with the characters. And by that time, it'll be immersive television, right? Where we put on our glasses and we're like, it's three three D and it surrounds yeah. us and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think Corey's point withstands, which is as unlikely as that is to see Lord of the Rings come to TV. You'll still see that before you will That's see the right. Silmarillion on screen. That's right. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I agree. And, and and speaking of that, like, which characters would you want to see in Silmarillion, if it ever came to the big screen, the small screen, or in any on any platform? Do you mean characters from the book, or or who would we want to cast? What actors would we uh, cast? Char- characters, characters from the book? For the book, yeah. Wait, well, it's uh, or, hard to you know, if you. It, if you ask like what story I think would make the best on-screen story, I mean I do think the ones we were talking about, Baron and Luthien and Turin Turambar, mm-hmm. are both of them stories that could work really, really well. Um, but as far as what ones I would like to see most, mm-hmm. um, I have to say, uh, uh, Fingolfin's duel with Morgoth would Ooh. be really high on my list. Well, you know, for me, like the whole Feanor epic. I mean that kind of that kind of encompasses quite a number of stories in there, but the whole 
from the beginning all the way through the tragedy of the ships and going across the hell accident, <laughs> all that, I mean, that's quite a story. Mm. Okay. Dave? Ah, uh, good question. Oh. <laughs> Put you in the spot right there. Oh, yeah. You know what, though? I, I, I'm like, I like personally, um, I'm personally invest. I would love to see Baron, the Baron and Luthien story. Cause I think that would be excellent. And it has a special place in my heart. I did at my wedding a couple years ago, we had a reading from Baron and Luthien. So that, that's always been my favorite story. <laughs> um, however, Finn Golfin and Morgoth's duel. Yeah. 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 yeah yes. Totally. <laughs> in fact, come on, somebody, somebody make a, f a fan fan version of that and put it on YouTube. Come on. <laughs> really? Well, that's the hard thing, you know? I mean, because a low-budget version would be really bad. <laughs> you look horrible. Yeah. Yeah, good point. I can do, like, a Doctor Who version of it. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a Lego version of it. How about a Lego no! version of it? <laughs> It's okay. I have my glow-in-the-dark stuff handy for dark locations like these. Let's get down to the second news highlights before we tuck in for the night. And that is, critics and some fans are now predicting that this last installment of the Hobbit trilogy is going to tank. Mm. And what? How could that even happen? <laughs> tank? What? What's even that word means? I, I guess it's just because a lot of people like to compare... You know, a lot of people like to compare box office numbers, right? And so these people are uh, holding this movie up against, you know, previous Lord of the Rings and Hobbits films and their performance. So um, people are saying that it's not going to do so well. So what do you guys think? I, I, say, I say no. I think it's just going to be a massive hit. It is. It's going to be a huge hit because it's the last one. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's like, you know, um, if you start, there, especially if you start watching the first one, you're like, you might skip the second one, but you'll definitely come back for the last but one. But I think the first one was pretty boring, though. It was just yeah. it expanded so much on the 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 beginning of the journey that um, I think a lot of audiences felt that 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 first hour of the first movie could have been shortened. But you got a song. Mm. He, he hasn't like expanded. It might that, not have that song. That's true. <laughs> we were just talking about the you know, song, <laughs> the poetry yeah. and the song. I mean, I I I I love yeah. the first hour of the I first too, film. Yeah, but, but see, I'm a yeah. bad data point. I Me mean, too. there was so much from the book that mm. I was looking for, and that was really glad yeah. that we got that. I, I I just I I'm terrible judge of like what's a good movie and what like the average person who doesn't spend all of his time thinking about Tolkien's book is going to think about the movie uh, so you know so I don't really know but I mean I'd, I'd be I'd be surprised if the thing completely tanked I mean I, I yeah me too I, I'm a little bit nervous about <laughs> exactly, it exactly same here I'm very nervous I mean from well, the stuff yeah. that we've seen I don't you know I'm not a, I'm not really sure um, I'm, I'm certainly not going into it super confident that right. they're going to do a great job tying everything together. That's my biggest concern, is there's so much to be tied together, and I'm not sure 
maybe it'll happen. Maybe I'll be surprised and it'll come together well, but I'm, I'm a little worried about that. So, I mean, I could see people panning it. I mean, I could see people saying that it's not very good. It's hard for me to see it just absolutely tanking in the box office. But do you think it's because, like, um, and this is out on the floor, it's, is it because a lot of people felt that it could have been a two-part movie instead of a three-part movie? Do your Pride and Prejudice thing, Corey. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, we've been joking about this from the beginning. <laughs> that would be another well, episode. Well, <laughs> basically, my problem is that I there's so much to do, especially with the way that they've done it, right? So, you know, the, the choice that they made at the very beginning, you know, for the whole framework of the film, is that instead of just doing a film adaptation of The Published Hobbit, they're going to take The Published Hobbit and they're going to put it in the context of the larger world and story that Tolkien developed over the course of writing The Lord of the Rings, Mm. which means that there's all these extra elements which are only just hinted at in the book, Mm. but they're not, you know, Tolkien hadn't thought of them when he wrote The Hobbit. You know, like all the Sauron stuff with Dol Mm. Guldur. Like, they're taking that from Tolkien's writings, but not, of course, from The Hobbit itself. So, Mm. you know, they're putting together all this stuff and they're trying to tell the bigger picture and the bigger framework. I like that. I, I think like that's that. a really great idea. Yeah. I think it's it's very cool. But it means that you know the whole story is much bigger. So no, I don't I don't I, I it may well be that the fact that they shifted from two films to three films so late in the game means that you know they're rougher than they yeah. might be. Um, because they ended up doing a lot of improvising, I guess, to 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 sort of make that those chain. You know, they didn't have it thought through as the three films from the beginning. But do I think the three things? No, I think I think there's more than again. My my concern is that there's not going to be time for them to do everything that they need to do. You know, that the final movie, in order for me to find it really satisfying, would have to be like five <laughs> hours long. So. I'm I'm more afraid of it being incoherent because so much stuff gets um, skimmed over and I, left yeah, out I, I agree rather with you than that, Corey, having I felt it feel that too long. For the second one, right? Because they spent so much time in the first uh, movie, in the first hour, uh, introducing all the dwarves and 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 their predicament, that they they really missed out a lot on what the Hobbit really was in terms of the adventure itself. Like for example, I felt very short change on the Beyond segment. I felt very short changed. Mm-hmm. It was just like he yes. was just like a by the way character, which I was like, oh my god! But he's such a huge character in the Hobbit. And then um, you know the bits where they right. were caught up in Mirkwood, and they had to be in that river. I didn't see that when they had to cross the river, and it was like, where's that part? You know, right. that at least got put into the, yeah. into the extended yeah. edition. Um, the 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 yeah. it made it to yeah, the, the river edition, crossing yeah. did get put back in um, in the extended edition but no we were joking about this all year you know one of the sort of the running jokes of 2014 on, on our podcast as mm-hmm. we were talking about the desolation of Smaug and thinking about yeah. uh, the the battle of five armies is we kept saying like oh but surely that will be that 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 will be in the extended edition so we were sort of joking about the fact that <laughs> the desolation of Smaug extended edition was going to need like you know we were expecting an hour and a half of extra footage uh, and of course, we only got 22 minutes, and most of the scenes we had been looking for weren't in it. But, um, but, but, yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, it's 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 almost like even the three films is too short. And I know that that seems like a joke to a lot of people. You know, that like a lot of people again were thinking like, oh, it's absurd that they're making the, you know, the the this little short book into three films. And I feel people who talk that way aren't really. Mm. Re- Recognizing what they're actually trying to do. Because most ex- most um, people they would just think that it's the Hobbit. They just look at it as mm. the book. 
and they don't really think they didn't really think right. of it in terms of the larger Lord of the Rings universe. Like the, yeah, and the, they just see it as like you know this right. book is only one book because I saw so many movie critics um, and all they were comparing is like the one book, but they they didn't understand that it's actually Part of the whole, it was what, like a prequel. You yeah, know? Peter Jackson was trying to do to relate it to the larger context. Which is very bring, smart, then, right? I thought it was very, yeah. it was brilliant. Uh, but, I wish he, but I wish he, he really do, do it properly from the start. So at least like, you know, he, we get the three films right mm. from the beginning to begin with. I think that would have been, like you guys said, we should have got, you know, it's, it's going to be very mished out and they're going to improvise and it's going to look really messy. That's why I'm really scared. Yeah. You know, to yeah. actually go back to your original question, I, I, I mean, I think the three movies, yeah, I think definitely three movies. The thing that I'm disappointed in, you guys have kind of referred to this, I didn't really have a problem with the first movie, but again, like, Corey, I'm a bad data point. You know, I was really Mm. glad they fleshed out. Like, the unexpected party has always been my favorite chapter, and I love that the movie, you know, did so much. But the second movie, especially now having seen the extended edition, Mm. I am disappointed at the choices that got made. Why yes. didn't we see more of Bilbo mm. in the yeah. in the Hall of the Elven King? Why didn't you know? Why was there emphasis on you know on this yeah. scene as opposed to you know like yeah, Beorn didn't get developed as much as I expected? You know, the so the decision you know the choices that got made I I was disappointed in, and I'm kind of you know I'm also nervous about the third movie for that reason. You know, it's I just I don't know. I was it's like it. it I don't know. I was sorry. I was sorry that that it didn't stick as well to the book as the first one did. And do you guys feel that the humor of the Hobbit has been lost? I personally lament that because I think I actually wish it had been lost more. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Bilbo was a very he was such a happy, you know, charming little Hobbit, and he still has that. If you look at the first uh, Lord of the Rings movie when he talks to Frodo about. His adventure at the Lonely Mountain. He still talks it, talks about it with a twinkle and a glint in his eye. You know, he never really lost that. But here, it just feels like as he's taking the journey, right? Well, he's lost well, that well, twinkle in his eye about the journey. <laughs> consider this possibility. Think about this possibility. If you think of, if you think of, um, we copied and if you changed, think of the Hobbit, yeah. the Red Book, as um, as Bilbo's memoir. You know his personal memoir of his journey. Um, you could you could kind of you could pos- you could you could sort of I- envision what the films are showing is sort of the actual real like pretty mm-hmm. serious events. And then when Bilbo goes back and writes his memoir, he writes sort of yeah. the idealized fantastical version. His you know his fond memory of it. Um, yeah, because hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and be, because all of Tolkien's writings are set in that way. All all of the books that we read mm-hmm. are we're not just reading just a book that just happens to exist, like kind of like Harry Potter. We're reading a book where Tolkien himself, you know, has conceptualized it as having been written by one of the characters in his world. So, so that's what, that's the way to do it. What I said before, when I said yeah. I wish they'd lost it more, is that I feel yeah. like they. They're making an attempt. They appeared. To, they, they they said at the beginning, like before the first film came out, um, there were a lot of people talking about the fact that, like, oh, the tone of the Hobbit is really different from the Lord of the Rings. And Peter Jackson's response to that was, oh yeah yeah, we're gonna be we're we're gonna be keeping a lot of the lighthearted and comical tone of the Hobbit, despite the fact that we're making these into big epic sweeping films. 
And and I was like, okay, I'll uh, be interested to see how that works. I think he did a, a really good job of casting Martin Freeman for because Martin Freeman has that, uh, you know, his Freeman is fantastic. He's Freeman got is this, fantastic. He is really I love good. his build. He's got yeah. this comedic, uh, you know, um, you know, element about him. Yep. So it, it, I mean, in that sense, it, he, yeah, he was right about keeping that lighthearted. Yeah. I think that's been great. But basically, it seems to me that one of the ways in which, just looking at the films, um, the primary way in which lighthearted comic tone is is maintained is through the action sequences, through the, the, the and the tone is set mm-hmm. for that in the first film, in the chip the glasses and crack mm-hmm. the plates routine, right? When they start throwing the, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the, the like basically <laughs> yeah. that sets the tone of, we're going to do like slapstick comedy and like the amusement of improbable action yeah. sequences, which they they're not pretending are not improbable, right? I mean, this is the yeah, thing, and it's yeah. it's you know the the uh, you know mm. one of the obvious and most uh, over the top examples of this is the whole bomber barrel sequence, right? You know, uh, yeah. and and again, and the thing is, you know, a, a lot of people will respond to that and be like, "How could anybody expect us to believe that?" It's like nobody expects you to believe it. You're totally missing the point. It's designed to be comedy. I mean, the fact that it's so over the top and so ridiculously improbable is what's funny about it. Um, Yeah. But, and it's fine. I can, you know, and a lot of the physical sequences in, you know, the fight in Goblin Town and, you know, they're, 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 even the conversation with Smoke. Yes. In the book, it was quite funny. Yeah. Um, But it got scary in the film. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But, you know, I I think that it's, it's, you know, that seems to me the primary way in which they're trying to sort of, uh, you know, overlay this lighthearted comedic feel to the whole thing. And I don't like it. Just two last points from me. I mean, I mean... I'm surprised that you say that because basically dwarves have always been funny. Right. I mean, if you look at Lord of the Rings, right? Gimli is not exactly right. that serious, but he he is funny because he he takes himself too seriously. And I thought that that was always you know he was always a comedic element, and his relationship with Legolas was always the comedy, right? The comedy bit. I mean, their competitiveness when they're fighting. I thought that was funny, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, again, just this last question, and it's not on the on the on the rundown, but it's like, do you guys feel that that shows up? Like the film versions actually show up uh, the disparity between uh, Tolkien's Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, the tonality of the books. Yeah, well, I would almost put it in the other way around. That basically one of the reasons I think they're struggling so much is that they're kind of trapped um, because if because there is such a big gap in tone between the Hobbit and the Lord mm. of the Rings that if they don't if they didn't represent that at all if they basically did the Hobbit all the way through with the tone and uh, of the Lord of the Rings they were they, they they appear to have been based on their comments afraid <laughs> that you know people would would complain you know the people would miss it the people were you know that basically if you're doing the Hobbit mm-hmm. You've got to at least try to be true to that sh- different tone of the Hobbit, right? Even though they're doing this bigger thing, um, and uh, and that's where I kind of wish I, I kind of wish that they hadn't tried. But but yeah, because of that gap, um, that that difference in tone, and they're just they're just almost completely different um, in that way. Um, it, it really does put them in a difficult one, position. One thing to keep in mind is that the Hobbit book itself mm. has a change in tone. 
Um, yeah. Not to say that within, within it, it, you know, yeah. not to say that Jackson necessarily would have found that a challenge, but but the Hobbit, it, the Hobbit book itself, I think, would be difficult to dramatize. You know, if there hadn't been a Lord of the Rings movie. I think The Hobbit, to take the book and try to adapt it would have been difficult because it has such a change in tone, the book itself does, from kind of almost right. comedic, lighthearted, to very epic as you get through to the latter, you know, latter part of the book. So that's a challenge just by itself. Yeah, I mean, you notice there are very few songs and, and, and yes. many fewer jokes uh, that's right. in, in, the, in the latter part of the book. That is, that is a fascinating thought experiment. Had they made The Hobbit first... What would it have been like? Would, right. would they yeah, have what, made what it, would it have been like? More, I think it would have been difficult. Would they have made it more tonally like the book? Uh, that's a that's an. I don't think I don't know if there's a good. An, I don't know if there's an answer to that question because because I think I think the answer is that's why they didn't make it first. Right. <laughs> that's right. true. The whole question there too is like where, where do you pitch it? You know, I mean, the thing that makes The Hobbit so different from The Lord of the Rings is that The Hobbit was really designed as a children's book and The Lord of the Rings was not. The, the Lord of the Rings was intended for an adult audience. So, yeah, so, Dave, you're, you, you approach the you, – you do The Hobbit first. Is it a kid's movie? You know, it's – where is it – or is it, is it, you know, do you try to make it into an epic fantasy? And if so, how do you do that, or do you not? Do you make it into you just do you just do the published Hobbit and do like a you know a more funny, you know, family oriented Hobbit thing, and then shift from there to do the epic sweep of the Lord of the Rings? But that's hard too. It is hard because the language itself is different. I mean, if you look at the way it's written in Hobbit, it's so much simpler, and then you go to Lord of the Rings, yes. it's really a, a few you that's know right. quantum leaps. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you just... <laughs> you know, it's very different. Even just to consider yeah. really su- some really simple illustrations of that, like words that he uses, yeah. um, you know, his, yeah. his use of familiar and traditional words, like goblin. You know, he, he uses the word orc once uh, in the Lord of the... Twice, twice, twice in The Hobbit does he use the word orc, but the majority of the times he just calls them goblins because goblin was the traditional word. Like, that's the traditional fairy tale name for those kinds of creatures and you know children in the 1930s would have grown up reading stories about goblins so so mm-hmm. you know it's it, it, it was a known thing whereas orc mm-hmm. is a word that he made up it's it's a word from his invented languages um, so mm-hmm. he doesn't use it in The Hobbit, but of course he uses it all the time in The Lord of the Rings and very rarely, comparatively rarely, uses the word goblin. Um, that's just like one really tiny illustration, but it's exactly as you say, the language is different. Yeah. It's ve- and, and, and you can see the difference is one of, I'm going to accommodate my language to the way that you normally talk and the words you're expecting to hear versus I'm going to try to get you to enter into my creative world in this new, you know, uh, more wholehearted way um, in The Lord of the Rings. And and it creates a very different kind of experience and therefore puts like a totally different set of demands on the reader or on a film viewer um, than The Hobbit does. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right about the the level of the language and the writing. It's, it's, It's one of the things that makes The Hobbit such a very different experience. They stole it from us. Sneaky little hobbitses. Wicked, tricksy, false. No, not master. Yes, precious, false. They will cheat you, hurt you, lie. Guys, 
I feel something is watching us. There, in the shadows. Did you see something move over there? Oh, your imagination is a workaholic. It needs some downtime. Hmm. No, wait. I did see something. Could it be ring raids? No, they would have killed us on the spot. I think it's Gollum, a creature once held prisoner by the destructive evil of the One Ring. We've got to leave. He's a wily one. I think I'll need to call some friends for backup. There they are! The Great Eagles! <laughs> Alright guys, get ready for the ride of your lives! Woohoo, you catastrophe! Where are we going by the way? You'll see. Let's go! That was quite a ride. Thank you, dearest eagle. Ugh. Ugh. Comfortable ride, but I think I just lost my dinner there. Yeah, I saw that. Not pretty. Not Ooh. pretty. Yeah, it wasn't an appetizing sight either. Ooh. <laughs> so, where is this place? Very. It looks familiar, doesn't it, guys? And you call yourselves Tolkien experts. Come now, I know this place quite well. We're at the border of Mirkwood, and here's the river that transports the elven supplies between the realm of the elven king and Lake Town. Wow, we must have racked up some serious frequent flyer miles there, Persis and Raven. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I mean, Persistence and Ravenous. Oh, God. Anything to get us closer to the battle action, guys. Now let's talk about The Hobbit, Battle of the Five Armies, the final installment of the <laughs> Hobbit trilogy. Now you had a special Riddles in the Dark episode, <laughs> just the trailer for this film. Uh, where you kind of shred it apart pixel by pixel. <laughs> Big as the movie itself. Like yes. three hours long. It's like watching the whole I've watched the whole movie by listening to your podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, I, <laughs> it's really awesome. No, I mean, I mean, for me, for me, I mean, I, I really enjoyed that episode. I really thought it was funny because you just shred it apart and, you know, you know, down to, to it's like every oh, yeah. last pixel. Every trailer. It's a yeah. tradition. It's a riddles in the dark prediction to. Uh, it's tradition to do that. We've done. I yeah. think that we've done that with every trailer for, for each of the love movies. It, love it. <laughs> but you know, I'm a Gandalf fan. I've always been a. I've always been a fan of the wizards of Middle Earth. I, I think of myself as a wizard, really. Um, does my old friend Gandalf no. really die no. in no. this film? No. no, and 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 I can say I can say that with with some amount of certainty because um, if you look at the 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 clip that's available online that I think was first played during the the live stream of the world premiere that's Galadriel um, and the White Council confronting the Nazgul 
Um, you can clearly see that as she's carrying Gandalf, he shifts and groans. Thank God. No, he's he is he is he is clearly grievously wounded, but uh, but but not dead. I, I mean, there's 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 no way they're gonna do the Gandalf is dead and gets revived thing again. I am not alone. Are you in need of assistance, my lady? I hate that because you know why? In Lord of the Rings, Gandalf goes away for a while. He dies and then he comes back. And then now he goes away for a while. He yeah. dies and then he comes back. This is yeah. not yeah, fair. That's exactly it is why I, I, I don't think. It yeah. is absurd. Yeah. Yeah. These are so powerful. Why, why are they always doing this to him? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, and I have another problem. I'm going to bring it up. Um, I know you guys watched the trailer like maybe 15,000 times already. So yeah. um, I'm just worried. Like when I heard the soundtrack to this trailer, I kind of feel like I was watching like a marvel film because like i felt like the beginning of the film kind of felt like the introduction to like the avengers or something because i know it's an epic battle action film the final installment blah 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 but couldn't they have just gone with something more uh lord of the ring ish like you know with elvish music because i don't know i just have a problem with music because i'm i mean like i'm a filmmaker myself like and I'm always very particular, like music always drives me. When I write a script or anything, it, it's always about, you know, hearing the right music to get the right feeling. So when, when I cut a film or anything, music is very important to me. And I felt like, hey, wait a minute, why is this trailer starting off like a Marvel <laughs> comic book film? <laughs> Do we watch the wrong film? I don't know. Like, Do of, I watch like, the right hero, you put in like <laughs> Middle Earth characters inside. I love the music. I love film. the music in, in in, in these films because it's so ethereal, right? And I just felt like something was a bit off in this trailer. Did you guys talk about that? I can't remember. Well, yeah, you know, this is, this is especially noticeable. In, just in the episode we did a couple days ago, um, one of the things that I did was I put together, I showed a montage of all the different television commercials, you know, so the, 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 the TV trailers, ah, the 30-second TV yeah. trailer, so much shorter than the main trailer that we spent three hours talking about. Um, and when you you know when you watch the different TV spots, you can see them kind of emphasizing different angles on the film, and you know using kind of different hooks to get people interested in it. But the majority of the time, I mean, so there are some where clearly, like the hook they're doing is you know Thorin's character and like Thorin going crazy and Bilbo standing up for him and Gandalf being worried and like Gandalf dying. the whole battle's going to happen and it's yeah. all Thorin's fault and how is this going to be resolved that's like you know so that's kind of interesting but um but most of the time they have it's just like battle action stuff i mean it, that's really the primary emphasis of the trailer is like this is going to be the biggest, most amazing, epic battle you've ever seen in your life. It seems to be the message that they're trying to send people on their trailers, um, and so yeah, it's as you say, you're 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 not going to get like an ethereal thing, right? It's they're not trying to convey we're going to you know 
plunge you into this world of Middle Earth again, even though they keep talking about like the you know your your last <coughs> visit last to Middle time. Earth or whatever. Hashtag yeah. one last time. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag one last time. Um, but it's 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 really like mostly it's like hashtag big enormous epic battle. Thorin, you gave a promise. brought upon them only ruin and death. You've won the mountain, is that not enough? Now, we defend it. I came to reclaim something of mine. Moving a master plan. A plan long in the making. These bats are bred for one purpose. For war. Leave Sauron to me. Bilbo is right. You cannot see what you have become. Everything I did, I did for them. You started this. You will forgive me if I finish it. When faced with death, what can anyone do? I will not hide. But others fight our battles for us! You have but one question to answer. How shall this day end? that you know it's like we are doing a trilogy about the hobbit but where is the hobbit where's Beowulf? there you go feel exactly like okay he's only appeared for like two or three scenes like i don't feel that his journey anymore what what, where are we he was so small that they couldn't see him in the epic battle he got lost somewhere he really (laughs) got literally got lost because i couldn't even find him the thriller no they they put him they put him in gandalf's pocket (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah. You know, that is funny, though, but one could argue, one can argue that, indeed, they've actually expanded his role compared to the books, at least in this movie. Yeah. He's, he's not even in the battle. He gets hit in the head. So, yeah. And then you he hear was, about the was, battle he afterwards. He was knocked out, right? He was like, oh, eagles! And then I got knocked out. Exactly. No, it's... it's Yeah, so... Really, really, he doesn't do all that much. Like, especially once the dragon goes away, or, you know, like what, you know, after his conversation with Smaug... Yeah. Bilbo does almost nothing. I mean, he still he he, he takes the Arkenstone and you know he has he has the Thief in the Night chapter, yeah. but that's it. 
And that doesn't, as he himself sort of points out, it doesn't even in the end do any good what he tried to do with the, with the Arkenstone. Um, so like he only tries to, he only does one thing, and it's a really great thing that he tries to do, but it doesn't even work. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's pretty clear from the trailers that they are um, that they are expanding his role, that he's going to be doing more than he was doing in the book. Yeah. But I but I agree, it still does. Um, but again, see there, like Trish was bringing up before. There's this shift in the book, right? And, you know, the book itself also becomes a change. You know, it changes from being a treasure hunt, you know, like the Hobbit, you know, off on this wild adventure, um, which is how it is most of the way through. But then the final third of the book, it becomes this bigger and more serious thing. And Bilbo himself, when that happens, Bilbo himself does take a seat. Um, I mean, he does take it. He he is very much a secondary uh, figure. Again, I think that people do lose sight of the fact that in 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 making that happen on the, in the film, they actually are following the book. That's exactly what happens in the in the book too. So, so what do you think? Like um, in, in terms of your predecessor, I mean, do you think that it's going to be disappointing, like the Star Wars prequel? Because I was really disappointed <laughs> with the ending of the Star Wars prequel ah. when. Yeah. I oh try not goodness. to think about it because he was so disappointing. Yeah, I try right? not to think about it. Um. <laughs> oh God, jeez! <laughs> Pretty much the whole movie. <laughs> I was I was disappointed with the ending, the beginning, the middle, all the parts in between. Yeah, it's like we waited six movies for but, this. But especially the ending. You're right. Anakin Skywalker's actual shift to the dark side was such a letdown. Um, at the yeah, end. terrible. Right. Now, the difference, though, the, the, and this is actually something, you know, we in, in our podcast, we've been talking about the Star Wars, at least I keep bringing it up, though I think it pains Dave whenever I do, but, um, uh, but the Star Wars prequels are an interesting case, parallel case, because the difference that I see is that you do have that one major event, like the whole point of the Star Wars prequels, right, is supposed to be like the payoff at the end. Like the whole point of those three movies is where did Darth Vader come from? These three movies tell you the story of where Darth Vader came from. The Hobbit film does mm-hmm, not is mm-hmm. not building up to any comparable point. You know, there's no one single like, and some major thing. You know, behind the Lord of the Rings films will be explained in. You know, it it will culminate in making sense of all of these. Things. That doesn't happen. I mean, it's just a previous incident. You could say it's the finding of the ring, but even that is nothing like the really? you know the Darth Vader but thing I, I, in Star I disagree, Wars. Though. So. So to that extent, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so worried about the end of this movie being like the end of the Star Wars films because there's not, there isn't that same central expectation that's going to be disappointed. But I think I, 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 I do disagree though. I, I do disagree with you in the sense that I think that while Star Wars the prequel was supposed to explain where Darth Vader came from, this particular prequel has also dropped a lot of hints. I mean, Peter Jackson has made a conscious effort in this particular trilogy of films to sort of fill in the gaps of how um, you know Sauron builds up his power and where he's at uh, right before this whole epic war of the rings right so Mm -hmm. I I I mean I would expect him to fill up those gaps because he's built it up with the Dol Guldur you know story B thing I wouldn't have thought so until the trailer 
the thing that and and, I, and you know we spent quite a bit of time in our trailer episode talking about this, but the part of the trailer that completely blew my mind was the voiceover that Gandalf says, which you know he says in like almost all the TV trailers now. Um, the the Gandalf voiceover that says like this is the final stage of a master plan, um, and I was like, wait, seriously, it is. I, who knew? I didn't know there was the final stage of a master plan. And what's more, from watching the first two films, I wouldn't have guessed it was the final stage in a master plan. Um, so, I'm, uh, so yeah. So now, exactly. now I'm anticipating, you know, at how that fits together. It was not at all obvious to me from the second film that Sauron wasn't just going to get his butt kicked and go slinking off, and then maybe we get at the end of the film, right? You know, but before the end. You know this shot of, uh, you know this this shot of uh, of the you know them like uh, you know flipping the switch in 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 Baradur and turning on the flaming eyeball up at the top. You know, and uh, <laughs> I, I, that's kind of what I was expecting. Even after the second film, that that's what I was expecting mm. to sort of make that link, but not have this you know have have this film have to be that intimately connected with that story, but. They are apparently doing that, so I don't know. What about you, Trish? What are your thoughts? Um, <laughs> uh, from my predictions for the final part, I, I I'm afraid they're going to have veered quite a bit uh, from the book story. You know, the battle part I'm talking about. You know, like who does what, who kills who, where does the battle take place, all that stuff. It just I, I don't know yet. You know, talk to me in a month's time or less than a month now, I guess, but. I'm a little concerned that there's like some major changes going on there, and I don't know that I'm going to really understand why the changes were needed. Mm. Um, that's kind of where my head is at with, mm. with, you know, with this movie. There is something at work beyond the evil of Smaug. Something far more powerful. Sauron. The Battle of the Five Armies is initiated by Sauron. His armies are going to make this attack. And so, ultimately, it is his first strike. Why show his hand now? Because we forced him. We forced him and the company of Thorin Oakenshield set out to reclaim their homeland. Sauron seeks control of the mountain. For where it lies, its strategic position. Well, on the particular question of how they're going to link these films to Lord of the Rings, um... Man, I don't know. This is this is one of our riddles in our game, um, uh, which is which is how like where you know what is going to be the major implication of 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 the fact that that the orc army that's or goblin army that's going to show up at the Lonely Mountain is actually being was actually created by Sauron and sent by Sauron as opposed to just kind of you know organically or you know self-organizing in Gundabad and also the Gundabad escape of coming. the witch king right. um, mind the the ring race yeah. right yeah right are the yeah exactly so it seems implausible that at least Gandalf oh geez even the white council in general it seems implausible that they would say that they're not going to go around telling anyone who will listen, hey guys, <laughs> Sauron's back, by the way. Um, you really yeah. need to, like, get ready. Uh, right. But that's not at all the posture of all these various people um, at the end of The Hobbit, or even for the intervening 50 years. That kind of, you know, Sauron kind of right, creeps yes. up on people and only only openly declares himself a little bit before the, the start of Lord of the Rings. So 
That I don't yeah. know how they're gonna do it. That's the major. That's yeah. the open yeah. question. Maybe you get like the ending. You probably get like uh, twenty years before the events of the yeah. Rings. Yeah. Twenty years. Uh, yeah. That uh, actually, yeah. actually, my pet theory is I want an epilogue to the film where mm-hmm. they flash forward to the yeah. Battle of Dale, which takes place at the same time mm-hmm. as the Battle of the Pelennor, um, where you see. Um, uh, Bard's grandson uh, lying at the feet mm-hmm. of King Dine, um, you know, fighting the, the forces of Sauron <laughs> in the north, but uh, I'm pretty sure that won't actually happen. Yeah. I would like that to happen. That would be really cool, but I'm just trying to imagine what the average person sitting in, like, is going to, like, how confused <laughs> they're going to be. To be like, wait a second, <laughs> yeah. what, where is this yeah, battle? Because, you know, What's going on? I think you probably need to build... Yeah, because basically this story is a very, I mean, everyone goes home happily and they live yes. happily yeah, they after, do. really, you know. Well, at mm-hmm. least from Bilbo's point of view. Which they yeah, shouldn't, because Sauron. Sauron. But Dave, you're right, because basically, when we start off Lord of the Rings, Sauron is already quite powerful. He's already built up his power to that certain extent. So, by the end of this film, how powerful is he? That's the, yeah. the big question, right? How powerful mm-hmm. is he going to be after this battle? Is he going to be... And, and there's that, what, 50, 70 year gap, right? 60, yeah. 60 years. Yeah. 60 years, right? Yeah. And, and will they be explaining about how Gollum... Where's Gollum yes. yeah, going to come into all of this? Another, yeah, good, well, question, another right? good question. Yeah, the Gollum thing is really difficult to say. Like, if hmm. they're gonna, if he's gonna come out and get captured, and then we're supposed to understand that he's being tortured for sixty years <laughs> until the Fellowship of the Ring film. Wow. But 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 yeah, the, it's tricky. So one possibility, one possibility uh, that 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 at least the trailer leaves open that moment where Saruman says, "Leave Sauron to me." Hints at maybe the possibility that Saruman's going to come back and say, "Oh yeah, right. I kicked his buddy. He's right. gone. Yeah. I killed him." Put him off the floor yeah. with that loser. Yeah. Like nothing to worry about anymore, people. Time for a vacation. And, and but I happen to have a you know direct connection. Right. And and the, yeah. and most people in Middle Earth sort of deferring to him and if saying, Saruman "Well, says yeah, so. Saruman yeah. says he's gone. I guess yeah. he's gone." And 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 people like Gladriel and and Gandalf, you know doubting him but not openly opposing him or arguing with him yet because they have no evidence but it seems it seems like either either Saruman intentionally misleads people or Sauron tricks Saruman and then Saruman unintentionally misleads people but I, I, I'm kind of wondering if that's what's going to happen what's going to happen is that everyone's going to believe that Sauron was actually defeated yeah I think that's the only way you can do it. Especially since, of course, we're going to get, presumably, the the clear, real, and unequivocal destruction of the armies at the Battle of Five Armies. Um, so <laughs> one of the things, clearly, that's going to happen is that you're going to have the Battle of Five Armies, and perhaps this is even related to the master plan, of how... It basically explains why, although Sauron is back there in Dol Guldur and he's returned... The War of the Rings still isn't going to start for another 60 years. Why on earth would that happen? Well, that's happened because his armies got wiped out. Mm. And he's got to now take a couple generations of orcs Uh, to rebuild his entire army again. So it's not going to be for another 60 years. Mm. So, Dave, whether or not they actually think he's gone, Galadriel or Gandalf and, and, and Elrond at the end could still be like... Well, the bad news is that Sauron escaped, and this is still going to get bad. And, you know, there's definitely going to get ugly soon, but at least his armies are gone now, so we've got a few decades. <laughs> yeah. But this but this is a stupid thing. No one knows where the right. ring is. <laughs> everyone thinks it's gone. That's everyone right. Everyone thinks it's going to yeah. get bad. Yeah. Well, they all think, everyone thinks it's gone. 
Yeah, that's a good point, Corey. We, they could leave it at, well, Sauron escaped. Um, he'll probably come back and cause and no trouble. Exactly. But yeah, yeah at, at, in the meantime, yeah. he really can't do much because he so, has yeah, no so arms. So, like, let's go back, us, yeah. the White Council, go back to being yeah. watchful. So, and yeah, I could yeah. even see for this reason Gandalf not, like, bursting the bubble of the people at Dale and the Lonely You know, basically everybody at Dale and the Lonely Mountain being all like, oh, yeah, like, we right. defeated Sauron. It's all over. Yeah. Like, the good guys have won. We're living happily ever after and have Gandalf mm-hmm. and, and Galadriel just be all like, yeah, yeah, happily ever after, you guys. Well, um, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, why should we Why should we bother them? They're going to be dead <laughs> before anything happens anyway. <laughs> but, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of the story. Yeah. We'll talk to their yes. grandchildren, yes. Right. But then it comes back to that point where, you know, that one scene before Bilbo and the dwarves enter Mirkwood, right? Gandalf looks like he knows Bilbo mm-hmm. has got mm-hmm. something up his sleeve and the ring. So, <sighs> so, so I many know. threads, you know, they just, it's, yeah, how do they bring them all back together? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's to me still one of the other big unanswered questions. Unanswered questions. How right? do they do the ring, yes. Bilbo's relationship with mm-hmm. the ring at the end? You know, because it's. Especially with Gandalf being so fixated on the dwarf ring in the extended edition of Desolation exactly. of Smell. Oh my goodness. He just <laughs> yeah, won't let that go. Right? I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and then, then yeah, like absolutely. he would just let this this ring of Bilbo sort of just slide. Yeah. Seems yeah. a little strange. And Bilbo, he's still very secretive in the movie. He didn't really reveal the ring. So, yeah, not yet. So we'll have to wait. For not yet. No. no, you have to wait sixty no. years. <laughs> I think that was one of our riddles too, wasn't it? Whether or not, whether or not Bilbo reveals the ring. I mean, we had a whole episode, I think, about that because there's there's pros and cons, or there's difficulties any direction you take that question. Uh, in terms of the book, or you know how you how you do it, so I, I don't know how. And I think to a certain extent, I have this feeling that Peter is just gonna. I mean, Peter has always given his his lead characters a hard time, and he <laughs> gave Frodo such a hard time in the film. Um, so basically, I have a feeling that he's gonna give Bilbo a hard time as well in this film. I, I'm sure because he's got the ring, and and it would be interesting to see how the ring already takes possession of Bilbo's. You know, I mean, slowly how you you see how the ring is 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 overpowering him, and it would be interesting to see how the ring uh, plays a part in this battle if it ever comes up, and I'm sure it will. You know, well, we know he puts it, it on at least sense. once because yeah. he did it in the trailer. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that because we saw Azog jumping onto a parapet in the trailer too and it was never in the yeah, movie exactly. so just because we saw Bilbo put the ring on in the trailer doesn't mean yeah. he's going to in the movie <laughs> <laughs> I think so, that's less likely to be CGI'd out however this is true yes this is true so what I did point uh, we <laughs> want to make is okay we all knew that Peter Jackson he worked really hard on the Hobbit trilogy but why is he so secretive about the last movie because like, I remember in a lot of the rings they, it wasn't like you know, we get to we get a lot of behind the scenes and stuff. But for Battle of Five Armies, all we get is like two trailers, which are pretty much. I can answer that question. Probably it's because the only thing is the Battle of Five Armies. <laughs> That's it. There's nothing else. <laughs> End of, end of this might be one of those things, you know, one of those movies where you say, "Oh my gosh, the best part of the movie was the trailer." I hope not. I hope That's not. The best part. Uh, this is nothing. That's a good question. Yeah, this this of course has been our this has been our frustration. Um, yeah. Trying to do a podcast yeah. about this because we, mm. for the last couple of months we've just every time we every time it comes around to he record an episode, we're like, oh god, is there gonna be well, anything to I, talk well, about? I Come do on, have Peter. a little bit of insider information I, on that. Basically, I know a, a visual effects person um, whose wife was actually uh, part of the visual effects team for for this particular film. 
Um, and in, and the last one, Desolation of Smaug. And she said that basically uh, for Desolation of Smaug, they were working on the post right. right up to like maybe a couple of days before the actual premiere. Because right. Peter is so particular. So what I suspect is that um, they yeah, just still haven't working got on it, all the stuff out yet. <laughs> Yes, they're still actually working on it. I, I think they were still working on it right up to like the last day of November. Well, the movie just premiered. I mean, did, it just premiered in London last week, right? Yeah. So I suspect that it was only ready like maybe a couple of days before the London premiere. <laughs> Two so days before the premiere, they were still rendering out the whole movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's probably why it was so quote-unquote secretive. Well, but yeah. he's always done that. That's but that's been a, almost a standing joke for even for Lord of the Rings. It is. Behind the scenes, I mm-hmm. Like the remember the behind right. the COVID, right. there was like a, a series of videos in the production, and then we right. don't get yeah, anything for the last one. The last one is like the one that's supposed to feel anticipation. Well, because it was still in post. Well, I think that most likely we're gonna get you know we're gonna get a lot more of stuff after the fact with this. You know, he's gonna be releasing a very great deal of retrospective stuff. But yeah, I suspect he's just doesn't have time to do that stuff. Right yeah. Now. And I think yeah. it's probably going to affect the... People will still come and watch it, but the weaker marketing for the, for the last film is going to mm-hmm. affect probably the, the regular film goers. I mean, for the fans, it's like, you know, it's expected we'll be there. We'll probably watch like twice or thrice or four times or something. But I think for the regular movie goers, they will probably be like, um, okay. Yeah, they haven't noticed any difference. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think those guys were watching the... the the video cast, the video, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. I, I, I think in terms of reaching those people, there's TV spots, there's trailers there. When I go to the Grove, um, in, when I go to the Grove in, in Los Angeles, you walk around, the place is covered in Hobbit stuff. So I, I, I think I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, so I scan that article, the New Zealand article where they're talking about the box, the predicted box office poll. And I, I'm of two minds on the one hand, I kind of see their argument, which is, we think this is going to be, this might do the worst of all six films. I could kind of see that, maybe. I could see that happening. People sort of at the end kind of saying, eh, I've had it. I'm kind of tired of it. You know, it, it's hard to imagine it doing as well as Lord of the Rings. On the other hand, I, I mean, come on. People, everyone's going to go watch it. It's going to be the it's gonna be the adventure action movie at Christmas. At Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, no, and don't forget, yeah, people are gonna be Tolkien's it, yeah. impact has been underestimated pretty much all along yes <laughs> you know in the sense of the critics and the you know literati and all that stuff right. i mean even tolkien's works itself so i mean i just think even just the fandom will will be the wave you know that'll make this movie a success i i i can't imagine you know there's there's enough fans worldwide to make this thing you, you could just just the fans and nobody else could go to this movie and i think it would be a success Did you hear that? Stay down, everyone! Good lord! The armies are moving faster than we thought, and we need to stop shadows and dragons! Eh, you know what? I motion we just go chill out at Elrond's. Let's have like a dwarf-style fountain party in Rivendell. I'll bring the chips. Guys, let's get some perspective here. Be serious. You know, we, we, we can't defeat evil here in Middle-earth if we don't work together. Fine, but just don't ask me to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Well, if you're going to be serious... Let's go and take out a dragon first and then we'll think about plan B. How about that? Fountain party. Mm, yeah. 
I like this warrior maiden already. Great plan, yeah. Let's swim across Lake Town, then take a boat, get off, run a few miles up the slopes of Lonely Mountain, shoot a few mountain goats while we're there, sell them to nearby goblins, and then trek up to the secret side door with this secret key at the last night of Durin's Day. And we get the dragon. Brilliant! Absolutely yeah. brilliant! Sounds like a triathlon. Actually, it is. I didn't tell you that. First one at the door gets the Arkenstone. All right, I'm out of here. Okay! Okay! See you, bye! bye. Hey, shit! Let's go! <sighs> Relax, Rafe. But they're getting a head start. Come on! Resist! Uh, I know they're getting a head start. Stop pushing me, okay? My ropes only go that far. But you know what? They don't have this. The key! Haha! -ha, you're evil! Yes! <laughs> the key guys uh, uh, uh looking for this don't quick last light of the ring quick is that the key to the lock now pretty wily little wizard aren't you yes i try i try wait guys what are you doing quick okay let's go get this dragon oh, yeah the last light in okay, here shh, shh, shh. i am putting the key into the lock damn it okay quick quick It's open. I can't see a thing in this tunnel. Luckily, I'm not claustrophobic. <sighs> I'm not feeling claustrophobia. I'm, I'm feeling sentimental. Why? Well, you know, once this film and our adventure here together is over, we're going to have to say goodbye to Middle Earth on film. Give us your answer. Will you have peace or war? The third Hobbit film is the last piece of the puzzle. So ultimately, there will be six movies that become a grand story that you can see from beginning to end. This was the last move in a master plan. A plan long in the making. Will we ever see Middle Earth in film again? Since like earlier we talked about the rights to quite a lot of tokens, uh, other works have not been released. So what's going to happen next? After Hobbit, are we just going to sit here and wait for Christopher to pass on? We're just going to be stuck at Lonely Mountain here, trying to put this key into the door. I'm pretty sure we're going to see the adventures of Tom Bombadil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a full a feature film just on Tom Bombadil. That would be yeah. That would be the um, though. Seriously, I mean, basically, there are kind of there are kind of two options here. One is they. It, it's theoretically possible that you know more films could be made based on the stuff that's described and talk. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that isn't just the the main storyline of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Um, the in in particular the appendices of the Lord of the Rings, which are all within the legal rights that Warner Brothers has because it's in the Lord of the Rings. Um, the, there's a lot there that actually could be developed. They'd have to do a lot more making stuff up because yeah, I mean it's, filling it's, in it's, gaps. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, our running thought experiment: the the adventures of young Aragorn. <laughs> 
That's, That's right. right. The Adventures of That's Young right. Aragorn. Totally <laughs> yeah. work. Like Young Indiana Very Jones. Good. Brilliant. I like that. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it could absolutely work. So, I mean, it's 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 remotely possible that they could do something like that. I don't know if they have any interest but in would doing it, would anything would like that. But would they actually go into the Silmarillion, uh, 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 you know, stories, though? Because, I mean, they would have to explain how the no, Rangers came about. Yeah. No, they can't. I mean, it would, they can't. They can't talk about any of the stuff that isn't that isn't there. I mean, like yeah, the stuff that only the stuff that is really talked about in the Lord of the Rings can they really do? Oh, what about the sixty-year gap? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's what the, would basically have to be the young Aragorn stuff. Yeah. That's the young Aragorn story. Yeah, and that's the right. Gollum story right. where he gets caught and mm. what he does with the ring in the sixty years. Mm, that'll be interesting to see. Having done the Lord of the Rings first, we were able to bring to the Hobbit the importance of the very fateful moments that occur. Most importantly of all, the fact that Bilbo doesn't kill Gollum. It's a pity Bilbo didn't kill him when he had the chance. Pity. It was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. If Bilbo kills Gollum. Gollum is not there on Mount Doom to fall into the lava with the ring. That could also be worked into the latter portions of the young Aragorn mm-hmm. story. You know, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, If you yeah. want to take him all the way up to, like, the prancing pony, basically. <laughs> uh, you know, Which we so, just left a few segments ago. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's possible. I don't really think it's very likely, but, I, 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 you know. It's theoretically possible that that could happen. But, of course, the other thing that I think is much more likely is that in a while, maybe another 10, 15 years, we'll, we'll have a new version. We'll, you know, we'll get somebody right. else doing it. A reboot? Right. That seems like a virtual Are certainty. Are you kidding? In the, oh, in yeah. Warner Brothers would be industry. all over that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Tw- in yeah. 2025. Okay, that's too near. Uh, in 2035, a new Lord of the Rings trilogy coming to your screen. Oh, I go. That's you right. Know, I'd be surprised if they waited that and- long. I don't know, in 5D, we can... 5D. <laughs> exactly, something, yeah. yeah I, I think- actually also think, I think that there's going to be more, there already has been, and I think there's going to be more fan film, you know, uh, like Born of Hope and Hunt for Gollum that's all, that have already been done. I think mm-hmm. we may see more of that. I don't know, I just don't, I wouldn't want to see a reboot. I mean, if they're going to make like, like, like Star Trek The Next Generation, like Lord of the Rings The Next Generation, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a problem with that seriously <laughs> middle earth the next generation uh, yeah, yeah I, i'm more i'm more i'm more open to it just because because i think it <laughs> because no, i, I don't want to say i think someone could make a better version let me rephrase i think someone could make a version i would like better okay <laughs> right right <laughs> Explain. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I think I could totally imagine someone, especially if they did a t- television series, I could totally imagine someone doing a version of it that I would say, this is a much better adaptation. You know, like I'm enjoying this a lot more. It feels more like the book. It's capturing the themes of the book better. I could totally see someone doing something that I would be happier with. I, I'm actually that I think is the likeliest thing of all. Yeah, I I'm, kind of a, I don't a, I don't a, want them to reboot just because. Um, just sort of on philosophical standpoint, being married to someone who works in in Hollywood, like every time these guys do reboots and and you know mine existing franchises, it means they're not making independent stuff, and, and I want them to make independent stuff because that'll mean more opportunities for Teresa. But uh, his wife. But if they're gonna go back wife. to the well, 
for Lord of the Rings or Tolkien, I, I think I'd be down with like a like a you know a, tel- a mini series or a Game of Thrones style Lord of the Rings. And I agree with you, Corey. That's in conservative Hollywood. That that's completely what they would do. And the cool part about that is Tom Bombadil would be in the story. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. No excuse for cutting him out anymore. Apart that's from the fact right. that nobody would understand him, and he would probably look like a complete lunatic. But other than that, there would be no reason to cut him out. That's okay. I would really like to have. Uh, I mean, being the Wizard fan, I would really like to have like a uh, just on the Wizards. Just on the wizards mm-hmm. and their adventures and how they came about and yeah. what they would be doing, like because you know, because Gandalf was also on the road as well, because mm-hmm. he's been on the road yep. for a long young time. Very, yep. I was always very yeah. curious to know young what he. Gandalf, <laughs> Gandalf was never travels young. With Gandalf. <laughs> no, no, no. I would be very curious <laughs> yeah. to know what he saw, who he met on the road yeah. in that sixty years between the two wars. Oh hey, he's been wandering oh, yeah. around for thousands of years, minding other people's business, and yeah, because he did, yeah, yeah. wandering yeah. around, right? Like he and and Aragorn, yeah. yeah. That, that could be like a TV series in yourself. How about like a a West Wing style um, White <laughs> Council <laughs> politics series? House of Cards. Yeah. Yes. House of Cards with Saruman. POV shots. All shots of Saruman talking to camera. These burks, they don't understand my relationship with Sauron. Guys, halt! I think that's him over there. Smaug! Shh! Not a sound in case we wake him up by accident. Corey, here's a bag. What for? You know, in case you decide to puke any more leftovers. Ah, oh. uh-huh, very funny. Hey, guys, get in here. We can stay safely out of sight, and hopefully out of earshot. Those dragons have powerful ears. Phew! Great, let's plan our next move. Which is a rapid fire round of talking space questions. Woohoo! Rapid fire round of talking base questions. Not for idiots who only read the maps of Tolkien novels. Okay, right. First question, everyone. Who would you hire to move house? Move house? <laughs> move house. house. <laughs> Are we talking physically moving your house? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay, I'll, I'll clarify the question a bit. Who would you hire to physically move your house? Okay. Dragons or ants? Okay, Trish. Ants. Ants, okay. Corey? Oh, mm-hmm. dragons. Absolutely. What? Dave? Obviously ants. There is no curse in Edelvish, Entish, or the tongues of men for this treachery. No. Too. <laughs> I think ants are more practical because, like, dragons are faster, man. Rapid service. That's what I'm yeah, looking but for. Dude, but what if they accidentally burn your house? Yeah, that's like, not. What if dragons like, like burn fire? What, what if they don't? What if they don't accidentally burn your house? What if they intentionally burn your house?
On the other hand, what if the ants discover an axe in your storage room? Of course, the ants would take a really long time to move the house. Exactly. No. I mean, I just moved yeah, recently, and I got to tell you, I'm going with dragons over ants every single time. <laughs> because, like, I can take out a fire insurance policy, but you can't take out an insurance policy against slow. Slowness. Okay. Question number two. Okay, second rapid-fire question. Galadriel or Elrond, which elf would you use to bring peace back to the Middle East? <laughs> Elrond. Okay, Whoa. Elrond. Trish says Elrond. been summoned here to answer the threat of Mordor. Middle-earth stands upon the brink of destruction. None can escape it. You will unite or you will fall. Each race is bound to this fate, this one doom. Raven? Uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I think Galadriel, because she will be like, everybody will stare at her and be like, oh. <laughs> They'll be Go so on. mesmerized by her. All these Middle Eastern terrorists will be like completely glaze-eyed. Yeah. They do like blondes, yes. They do like blondes in the Middle East. Yeah, they'll be glaze-eyed and she will be able to tell them to do anything she wants. Like, okay, everyone, guys, shut up and make peace. And everyone will be like, oh, yes, Galadriel, for you, we'll do anything. This task was appointed to you. And if you do not find a way, no one will. Then I know what I must do. It's just... I'm afraid to do it. Even the smallest person can change the course of the future. I... I Go, Adriel. I think that uh, Elrond is is just uh, uh, basically he's just kind of too jaded, you know. He's uh, <laughs> especially now, you know, d- 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 now that Arwen's gone and everything, and he's kind of. But yeah, no, he's he's uh, <laughs> too depressed. Oh, oh yeah, he's, he's just not having he's it. Good, good point. Elf. Good yeah. point. Which Elrond are we talking about? Which yeah, which point been... in time? Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, are you talking about Elrond? Yeah, yeah. And for that matter, which Galadriel oh. are we talking yeah. about? I mean, seriously, like the people Elrond. in the Middle East would be like, you know, see, we have all of these disagreements, and Elrond would be like, you people think you have problems? Like, don't give me your whiny <laughs> human being. Like, my mother rep- is a swan, and my father yeah, is yeah, a yeah, star. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You top that. One thing's for sure. Definitely not Elrond played by Hugo. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. No, 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 no. man, I don't trust Galadriel. She's got a checkered past. Yeah, she does. See, me too. I'm, you know, she's a, she's kind of a unknown quantity. Yeah, she did, she did, right? She touched the ring, and then she did. <laughs> actually, like actually, a- which Galadriel are we talking about, Corey? 1.0, Corey kind of spoiled this for me because he made some points about in one of the courses that he did on Fellowship of the Ring, he made some points about Galadriel's sort of whole approach to the fellowship and whatnot that got me thinking about her. It's like, I don't know. She I thought she was this wonderful, you know, person and maybe she's got some agendas going on. I think I'm leaning toward Elrond. You know, you know what? Here's a fascinating variation of this question: Which son of Feanor from the Silmarillion would you choose? <laughs> in the Middle East. Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah, in the Middle yeah. East. Yeah, man. Oh my. I don't think you could trust any. Maybe Mithras. Exactly. Yeah, I, 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 I do Mithras. It's really yeah. kind of the only safe answer to this. I would go with the Fenturi. <laughs> <laughs> question number three. Okay, okay. guys. 
Friday drink nights at the Green Dragon or the Prancing Pony? Green Dragon. Green Dragon. Yeah. Green Dragon. Green Dragon. I don't know. I kind of like the Prancing oh, Pony. Oh, yeah. Prancing oh. Pony is pretty <laughs> I mean, it's a fun room. I think hobbits are too fun. Hobbits are just such a riot. But you got hobbits at the Prancing Pony? Yeah, but just all hobbits. You know, like the local pub. Yeah, but see, it, the Prancing Pony is the best of both worlds, you see? Uh, yeah, actually, I take uh, it back. Butterbur. Butterbur is the deciding factor. Butterbur. Butterbur? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, I, I still like the hang out with the hobbits though I think the yeah. Game yeah. for me yeah plus I don't want all the hubbub of the prancing pony I just yeah I mean, that's just know. too yeah. much shady dodgy people that's the best in part they just get into all this <laughs> misadventures <laughs> question number four okay next question preferred lonely planet travel guide Gollum mm-hmm. or Gandalf the Grey uh, Gollum would be fantastic yeah I would yeah. say Gollum too yes yes that is the name this way Oh, Gandalf for me. I don't know. I'd be scared. I'd be scared with Gollum. I'd be like, I wouldn't be sure I'd be living to the next Dude, day. Dude, he knows you know? where everything is. Yeah, he knows every nook and cranny of Middle Earth, right? I know, but but so does Gandalf. But I think I'll be like irritated if answering riddles. Like, I don't really want my directions to be delivered with me. Answering riddles? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What? Or trying to strangle you. Yeah, that's you. right, that's right. Can't just say left or right? <laughs> it, like it depends a... on what kind of traveler you are. And see, Gandalf, Gandalf's got an in with the eagles. Yeah, you know, Calls thing. up a moth, gets the eagles, we go, you know, uh, I just uh, think that's... Here's the thing you're overlooking, though. Gollum is like the Middle-Earth Anthony Bourdain. He knows all of yes. the little... He's the edgy. He knows all the hole-in-the-wall, yes. out-of-the-way spots yes. to eat weird That's food. true. And he's edgy. It depends on the kind of traveler you are. And so again, I yeah. say, Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> you're a safe traveler. So Trish is the safe traveler. She wants yeah. safety. Yeah, I'll go for the safe one. Because I... I mean, there's a great eagle. I mean, I'll, I'll hop on that eagle. Like, you know, he can, like, you know, layers me up with the eagles. And I'll just like, okay. Plus, I, so, I like to travel places. I like to know the historical context of places. And Gandalf would absolutely have all that stuff. Whereas Gollum will give you all the introduction, as Dave says, to the local cuisine. You know, so you go to this one place and exactly. it'll say, there are yeah. snakeses, wormses, <laughs> things in the pool. And cockroaches. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. know. I'm not a fan of those food, though. I mean, I'm... <laughs> but Gollum would be psychotic though. He would he would be the psychotic trip. Yeah, he'll you will be like thinking like, why is he gonna murder me? I won't have to sleep with a sword. Yeah, that would be my main thing. I'd be afraid for my life. Split personality. Yeah. I guess with Gollum you get two for one. Yeah. You know. I mean. <laughs> Good one. Question number five. Okay, next question. Okay. Halloween party at Dom Gudo or Modo? Dogodura for me. Spiders, Gandalf. Giant ones. Some kind of spawn of Ungoliant. Or I'm not a wizard. I followed their trail. They came from Dol Guldur. Dol Guldur? But the old fortress is abandoned. No, Gandalf. It is not. I prefer Mordor, though. I would would say Mordor. I I would like to stipulate that Specifically at Mordor, Minas Morgul, Tower of Sorcery. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking if we were over by Baradura, it'd be a little hot. And yeah. <laughs> Too close to Mount Doom. Yeah. yeah. And the refreshments would be lousy. Um, but I do think that <laughs> Dol Guldur be, offers true. some uh, uh, some really good like 
mix of possibilities. Ambience. You know, you can get like the creepy yeah. tower haunted house kind of thing. You can also get the <laughs> like walk through the spooky woods thing. True. So, I mean, it's more go as a, a trolls. Right thing, but uh, yeah, next to you trolls. also have the the, yeah. the strange wallless prison where where prisoners are just wandering exactly. around. Right. <laughs> That's right. True. True. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the spiders. You never know when a dwarf's gonna jump down on top of your exactly. head. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. These things happen all the time. It does. You also, <laughs> you also never know. <laughs> you keep thinking it's gonna happen, and you keep thinking it's gonna happen. That's and true. It keeps, it keeps not, not happening. happening. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. also yeah. never know That's, when yeah. you're going to mysteriously disappear during post production. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. or get CGI'd. Yeah. You just be standing there next to Gandalf one moment. Next thing you know, you're gone. You're gone. <laughs> not yeah. even in the scene. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> uh, hey, hey guys, hey guys, uh, are the chambers trembling? They're crumbling all around us! <laughs> Smoke is awake! Run! Take cover, everyone! Take cover! We must protect ourselves. Here. Huh? What? What's this? Huh? Anti-inflammatory suits so we don't get burned to a cinder. Um, uh, <laughs> thanks, Raven, but no thanks. I'll use my stuff. Okay, everyone, stay back. Let the wizarding genius of the Undying Land deal with this monster. Show off. Mr. Smaug, show yourself or you shall not There, Grand Wizard, this is a flash burning dragon! What do you think you're doing? Okay, Mr. Dragon of Lonely Mountain, this isn't funny! Come on out, wherever you are! Uh, I don't think he even heard you. Uh, let's just scram. Second that. My third that. Oh, 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 wait! He's coming! Everyone behind me now! What I really think I'm seeing right now? It's a baby dragon! What? With diapers? This doesn't make sense! Isn't Smaug a full-grown beast hundreds of years old? Who cares? This guy is so much cuter! Aww, Gucci Gucci! Let's go and play with him right now! Come on! Who's a cute dragon? You're a cute dragon! This sucks! This sucks! 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 Unless I tickle him to death. <laughs> yes, yes. Come here, my precious. <laughs> and we've come to the end of another momentous episode of Tomboy T-Rod! The Hobbit Christmas Edition! Woo-hoo! And as a special thank you for being a fan and a supporter of the Tomboy Tats website and Tomboy T-Rod podcast, we're giving away two pairs of happy socks this season. Just Instagram us your best sock picture and tag us Tomboy Tats on Instagram. And the two best pictures win! Really easy! 
Contest ends 1st of January 2015. So, get those pictures coming, folks. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher and give us feedback. Yeah. We've also got a great website with everything you want to read about being a tomboy in today's world. Check it out at www.tomboy-tarts.com. And if you just want to connect with us outside of the show, we are also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Tumblr. Just type Tomboy Tarts. And if you have any inquiries about advertising, collaborating, or appearing on this podcast or our blog, Drop us an email at tomboy.tarts at gmail.com. We, we are, are everywhere, 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 everywhere. Until the next two weeks, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Ciao. Ciao. And, and adios. 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 adios.